The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome again to the Disability Law Show. Savannah's here. Albert is here. And Savannah, you got a special guest today, a client of yours, Joe, who's going to be on with us uh, very shortly here. But right off the top, I want to mention some contact information. You want to get a hold of Savannah or Albert anytime at the firm. The number toll-free, of course, 1-855-821-5900. Disabilityrights.ca is the website. Go there. Get more information. Uh, be able to listen to past radio shows and links to our television show as well. Again, disabilityrights.ca. Today, I want to send an email along. we got a pile we want to get through on today's show, and that is simply help at disabilityrights.ca. Take it away, Savannah. What do you got, pal? Well, John, uh, it's great to have uh, Albert here and, of course, Joe. And, and you mentioned he's my client. He's actually not my client, but he's somebody I've been corresponding with for a while. And uh, I, I, I've been helping him and answering questions about uh, long-term disability. And, you know, John, we always talk uh, about long-term disability claims, uh, and we answer people's questions. We take calls, etc. And I thought, you know, here's Joe. I've been uh, uh, communicating with him for a while now. He's going through the disability process. He's very articulate. And he's one of the most organized people that have I have ever come across, and I think that's one of the reasons why he has so far had success not being cut off by his insurance company. And, and so I asked him to be on the show, and he's graciously accepted. And, and so, Joe, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and and what happened, what made you go on disability, and how your experience has been thus far dealing with your insurance company? Okay, um, I actually have been on disability. Since 2017, originally it commenced as a short-term disability through my employer, and it was due to a stroke which I uh, had, and I was admitted in the hospital for a couple of months and quite a bit of cognitive behavior problems and depression, things of that nature. Um, it's been pretty decent with the insurance company so far, I have to admit, uh, for the last three, almost three years now, and... Uh, I've had three different adjusters so far. Um, they change every so often. I'm not sure why. But uh, I've never had uh, a situation where they've requested a meeting and I didn't attend the meeting by phone. Um, I've always had all the information that they've requested. If I can't provide them any information, I always make sure to email them and let them know that this is the reason that I cannot provide what they're asking for. Um but in very uh, cordial kind of relationship with them. It's been pretty good. Um, just recently, um, I've sensed a bit of uh, tension, if, if you will. I was told and asked in 2018, uh, sorry, 2019 to apply for CTP, which I did. And just recently, about almost a year later, the denial letter, which I, had, which I was told actually by the insurer that it would be denied. And I received that, and then um, as I forwarded that letter off to the insurance company. When the insurance company got it, they called me up and said, we're going to send you for a independent assessment, which was fine. And I asked the, um, the reasoning behind it, and it was pretty well because of the CPP denial. And I pointed out that they had told me I would be denied the first time, and I would be reapplied. I would be reapplying. After that, I asked them... Uh, just out of curiosity, who was going to pay for the doctor who would be doing the assessment, where they said they would be paying the doctor 
to which I asked, how could the doctor be independent if they were going to pay the doctor? Mm-hmm. To that, I received a response, the doctor does not work for us, the doctor is not an employee of ours, and therefore the doctor is not working, is not, uh, they're, they're not working on their behalf. So I kind of told the insurance adjuster at that time, I think it's best to agree to disagree and to set up an appointment for my uh, assessment. And we left it at that. Now, Joe, you just to recap for our listeners, you've suffered a stroke in 2017. Uh, your long-term disability started in February of 2018. Uh, we are now past the two-year mark, and many of our listeners are very familiar with that two-year mark change of definition for long-term disability. So the insurance company, your insurance company, and by the way, let's keep uh, not mentioning who that insurance company is, uh, but they had approved you beyond the two-year mark, so they've accepted that you cannot do any occupation, you cannot work in any occupation for which you're suited for. And uh, so so it's interesting to me that uh, it's only when CPP Disability denied uh, your application to them that they've now asked you to see one of their doctors and the adjuster is now insisting that even though they're paying for this doctor, the doctor is not working on their behalf. Uh, and, and when we spoke, I, I told you, of course, that I, I shared your concerns about what this doctor was going to say and do. Uh, now, many of our listeners have either been denied long-term disability outright when they first applied or had been cut off before the two-year mark. You've been obviously able to prolong your claim. The insurance company had agreed to keep you on beyond two years. And I had mentioned at the outset that you're very, very organized. So why don't you share with the listeners maybe some of your tips. How, how, how do you keep organized? Uh, how do, do, you, do you make sure that you have everything in order in your communications with the insurance company? Actually, it was kind of difficult, and it is, is kind of still difficult due to the nature of my illness. So I, I'm fortunate that I have, you know, family members and friends that can sometimes help me out to organize stuff and, and, even, draft e- and even draft emails with me sometimes. But at the onset of my illness, my employer, my direct supervisor, actually asked me, or not to ask me, actually came to visit me in the hospital and suggested that I seek legal advice. And that kind of scared me. I was wondering, why is my employer telling me to do this? Which kind of put up red flags for me. So immediately, what I started doing is making sure that I have copies of every medical report, whether it be a neurologist, a psychiatrist, a physiotherapy, MRI reports, whatever whatever the test may be, whether it be a blood test, I get a report when I'm at that facility. If they don't have the report, I ask them to send it to my family doctor. When I go to my family doctor, within a week, uh, as soon as I get there, I ask the receptionist, is there any report? If there is, she makes a copy of that report for me, and I bring it back home. At home, I have paper files uh, in banker's box for each and every type of doctor. In fact, I even have a file on use of them. So there's a file, there's a couple of pieces of paper in there. There's not much in there, but I have a file on you. Anyway. That, that's that's the one we want to see. Joe, I'm going to get you to just hold on for a sec. We've got to take a short break. I'm going to get right back into this. So stand by for that. And we'll get your emails. And uh, and uh, you want to make a phone call anytime to Savannah or Albert, rest of the team, 1-855-821-5900. Email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. It's the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Disability Law Show, we are right back at it. 1-855-821-5900 is the number you want to use any time to get a hold of Savan and the rest of the team. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Savan, we're going to continue on here with uh, with Joe, who's not a client, but you've been talking with him for some time. Had a stroke in 2017, has been very diligent and uh, very organized when it comes to dealing with the insurance company, and that's done him in, in good stead so far. So let's uh, let's pick it up where we left off, right? Yeah, go ahead, Joe. You, you had some other tips for our listeners. And, and for, again, anybody that's joining us now, Joe is currently on long-term disability, and he's been getting long-term disability beyond two years. So, so you know, I think one of the reasons is because he's just so organized that the insurance company understands that they're dealing with a sophisticated person, and they're just going to they're gonna be very careful in how they deal with him. So go ahead, Joe. You had some other tips for our listeners who are dealing with their own long-term disability claims. So I make sure that I have copies of all the reports, and they're all filed away in uh, paper paper files, just actual file folders and bankers boxes. That includes any prescriptions, any uh, blood tests, and anything of any nature. Any telephone calls that I have with the insurance company, I make notes of those after the call, but I also email the insurance adjuster after the phone call saying that this is the discussion we just had, and I highlight any issues which were very concerning. Um... It makes it much easier for myself to deal with the insurance company also when it comes to um, the periodic the, uh, telephone interviews that we do. I have all the information ready for them. And uh, I keep a file of all my medications, a written list. I uh, go to my uh, um, health benefit provider. I download the list of medications that he's got. And it's easy to give them a list of all the medications at, the, at that time. I keep notes of how many times I've gone to each doctor. I keep a day timer actually at home, and I fill out the day timer every day. So in other words, I know for a fact, sitting in front of me, I can see in 2018, I went to see my family doctor 35 times. 2019, I seen him 31 times. 2020, I seen them nine times until March when COVID-19 kicked in. So... Everything is very detailed and kept, but now when, for example, when it came to CPP, the reapplication, it was very easy to take each and every one of those files, put them all together neatly, and send it off to CPP for the reapplication, and send a, car- a copy of that to the insurance adjuster also to, to let them know that this is the stuff that's been sent, and that was actually a very big file. Joe, let me uh, let me ask you this: what's uh, what's it been like dealing with Savannah and his team at the firm? Um, well, like I said, uh, when I was in the hospital, my employer had come to visit me, and they had actually suggested that I see a lawyer, mm-hmm. which kind of scared me. But I went to see two other lawyers before I seen uh, Savannah. Um, the first one, I I met them, I spoke with them for about an hour, paid them four hundred dollars, and I left. The second one was more anxious to kind of have me sign a retainer and then want to discuss my situation. And about uh, two, three days later after that, I met with Savan at his office. I met with him in the boardroom, and uh, to my surprise, he had another lawyer with him, Michael Gerhold. His first name was Michael. But um, we spoke about for two hours, the three of us. 
and we 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 looked at some files that I had. We looked at some letters that I had received from the letter uh, from the insurance companies from my employer, and I asked them right then and there, like, is there? I was ready to sign a retainer, whatever. They, and they honestly said to me, "You don't need us right now, and hopefully, you never will need us. But if you ever do, we'll be here." Since then, both Michael and Savan, they've always responded to my emails, to my phone calls, because sometimes it gets a little difficult with the mighty insurance company, and it's hard to kind of, not maybe not hard yet, but it gets scary sometimes. And uh, they've they've been great; they've been fantastic. I, I I can sleep at night knowing that they're on my side, that they're there. You know, Joe, I, I have to say uh, it's been a pleasure, you know, dealing with you all this time. Uh, I'm sure you have to come uh, to me, and, and, you know, every once in a while we text, and uh, I, I really do hope that you don't need me, uh, you know, from a, from a legal standpoint. Unfortunately, many people end up coming to us and, and having to retain us because they have been cut off. And I think a lot of insurance companies are simply banking on people not being as well-informed as you are, not being as proactive as you are, uh, not being as organized as you are, because at the end of the day, listen, you, you suffered a stroke. Other people are dealing with illnesses and, and injuries, and it's unfortunate, but then they are they find themselves sort of pitted against this humongous insurer that has billions of dollars in, in revenues and reserves and they don't know what to do and I think most of them fold and walk away and the other thing that you have I think which I really really wish that everyone out there would have uh, is is this determination not to be taken advantage over and, and this is what I keep saying to everyone you know you said you went to two other lawyers before me I'll tell you this if you had retained one of them uh, as long as that person that you had retained knows what they're doing and uh, we're willing to go to the end to make sure that you get what you deserve, I would be happy with that. And that's what we keep saying here, John, right? We keep telling people, right. just yep. get informed, get empowered. Don't think that the insurance company is invincible. They're not invincible. If they were invincible, people like myself, like Albert, like Mike, we would not have a job. That's the yeah. reality. We are here, and other lawyers are here, because clearly insurance companies are vulnerable. So, so Joe, I, I honestly kudos to you. Uh, I hope that we keep in touch uh, for a very long time, but not, but in this context, as opposed to you having to retain me, because that means that the insurance company did not dare do to you what they're doing to many, many other people. So, listen, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Uh, really, really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best and luck. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. Okay, thank you very much. Take care, guys. Appreciate it, Joe. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break and get right back into it. As promised, your emails are on the way, so uh, send one along. you got some time, questions for Savan, do it. To, or Albert, help at disabilityrights.ca is that email address. The phone number anytime when we're not on the air, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Disability Law Show coming right back on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. We are ready to go. We hope you are as well. We'll get to a, a pile of emails with the remaining time. Thanks, Joe, again for uh, for sticking around for the first two segments previous to this. And there was a guy, Savannah, before I get into an email, who is uh, who's got it down. He's doing all the right things. He's keeping all the documentation. He's recording and taking short notes of phone calls after he's talked to the adjuster, and he's got 
reams of medical documentation. So this guy is uh, is ironclad when going up against the insurance company. If the time ever comes that he gets cut off and uh, has to come seek you, but so far he's uh, he's doing all the right things, right? He's doing all the right things, but you know, again, he's being sent to this uh, uh, independent medical ass- uh, um, assessment. And remember, yeah. it's, the insurance company says we want you to be seen by by a doctor, an independent doctor. They use the word independent, and to me, that's as misleading as as the fra- you know the phrase total disability makes making you yeah. think that you have to be completely and utterly disabled from working yeah. to be able to qualify and that's not true when they're sending you to a doctor or to an assessor that they're paying for they are sending you to that person for a reason they are hoping to get an opinion and most of the time they do in my experience that will allow them to stop your benefits or cut you off or tell you you have to try and go back to work or else we're going to cut you off these are all tactics and strategies to shake you off claim to make sure that they don't have to pay you ongoing for long-term disability and you know again Joe is somebody I've been communicating with he's not a client which is really important here I would not bring a client uh, uh, on the show Joe is someone that is very articulate very smart has suffered unfortunately a, a very severe injury because of a stroke but he's been able to hold his own with the insurance company with our guidance and I, I just I really thank him for being on the show and sharing his story Want to move on to uh, Donna? First email of the show here, guys. Uh, Donna says I've been on long-term disability for over a year now for chronic back pain. I'm a plant manager, and my job is about seventy percent physical and thirty percent administrative. I'm fifty-one years old, and both my chronic pain doctor and my family doctor agree that I'm not suited to go back to work anytime in the foreseeable future. My insurance adjuster called me just last week and told me that they had someone in their office with medical training review my file, and they think that I can start a gradual return to work program, but I can't, and my doctors agree that I can't. What can I do about this? I'm terrified that they'll stop my payments. Well, Donna, first of all, thank you for reaching out, and you reached out just at the right time. Let's no break this down for a second no. here. Uh, the insurance company, the adjuster says they had someone in their office with some medical training. I don't even know what that means. I mean, are they talking about somebody who got you know his degree in God knows where? Or are they talking <laughs> about a, They're not talking about a doctor. If they were, they would be saying it was a doctor. They got somebody who knows what kind of training that person has. The point is, uh, you know, we see this all the time. And, and, you know, why are they doing this? They're doing this again because they want to shake you off claim. Now, Donna, you have doctors on your side, family doctor, chronic pain doctor. They're confirming that you are continuing to be disabled. That means that the insurance company has no legal leg to stand on if they cut you off. Now, remember, people call me, John, and say, uh, my insurance company is forcing me to go back to work. Right. Remember that the insurance company can't force you. They can't come to your home, drag you out, and take you to your workplace. What they're telling you often is if you don't try to go back, if you don't comply with a gradual return to work program, we're going to cut off your benefits. That's how they muscle you and, and try to, to persuade you, to pressure you to go back to work, oftentimes against medical advice. And that's what it is. Let's call it for what it is. They want you to disregard what your doctors are saying, Donna. And you should not do that. What you should be doing is you should be, first of all, you should be going to your doctors, making sure that you have updated reports or letters from them, confirming that this is not the right time. Assuming that's in fact the case. If you cannot go back to work at this point in time and your job is 70% physical and you're dealing with chronic pain, uh, back pain, 
your doctor should be able to confirm that. Send this to the adjuster and in writing via email, you can do that via email, now nothing wrong with email, uh, write to the adjuster saying, as per my doctor's advice and recommendations, I cannot at this point in time uh, uh, try a return to work program. I hope to get better in the future. That's my goal. That's why I'm getting treatments and I will do so. I will try and get back on the horse, get back to work as soon as I possibly can and as soon as my doctors confirm that I am able to. And here's the thing, Donna, they're going to either respond or not respond to what you write them. If they don't respond, then that's fine. There's a record now, you've put it in place. If they cut you off, you give us a call, we'll, we'll, we'll go after them immediately. If they respond back, they will either say to you, okay, we agree, which is great, in which case, status quo, you continue to get paid, they're not going to force you anytime soon to go back uh, or pressure you, uh, or they'll tell you, we don't care what your doctors are saying, we are relying on this person in our office with quote-unquote medical training who never even met you but reviewed your file. Trust me when I tell you that if they tell you that on that basis alone, that person with medical training, if they say that they're going to stop your payments because of what that person says, uh, despite what your doctors are saying, again, you let us know immediately. Trust me, once we get in there, they're going to back off. And if they don't back off, we will go after them. We'll start a legal process that is going to force your insurance company to capitulate. I'm not saying this in the abstract. I'm saying this because this is something that we see over and over, John, and we, we have we have experience in this. This is what we do each and every day. We force insurance companies back to the table after they've denied illegitimately uh, uh, claims or after they've cut off people uh, uh, from their disability payments despite the fact that their own doctors are confirming, these individuals' doctors, that the person cannot go back to work yet. You know, So again, do exactly what Joe, the, the individual that was on our first, uh, uh, first two segments uh, did. Uh, stand your ground, get in touch with us the way Donna did, and uh, we will help you. We'll answer all your questions. And by the way, it's not gonna cost you a dime to speak with us and, and get this information. Donnie, you've got the email address. Obviously, going to throw you the phone number before we uh, take a short one here, one 821 That will work for you as well, so make sure you keep that with you. Disabilityrights.ca is the website for more information even still and uh, links to our television show. We'll get right back to it. More of the Disability Law Show right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. By the way, anytime you have questions uh, you want to ask when we're not on the air here, mydisabilityquestions.com. Mydisabilityquestions.com. There is also a search function, so there's a high probability that your question has been asked in the past and answered in depth. If not, leave it there. The guys will get to it for sure. Mydisabilityquestions.com. And uh, you can fast track to the phone number if you prefer. Toll free one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Back to another email. This one from uh, Jensen. Jensen says, Albert, my brother was in a boating accident last year. Who was hospitalized for a few weeks. He suffered a brain injury and also broke his right arm at two places. He applied for long term disability but was denied because the insurer says that he applied too late. Apparently, he missed the time to apply by two weeks. They said that he could appeal. Uh, he could appeal this, but he doesn't want to. He just wants nothing to do with the insurance company, but he is badly injured. And uh, by the way, he's 32 years old. What do you think? Hi, Jensen. Well, first off, I'm very sorry to hear about your brother and his injuries. 
Uh, you definitely did the right thing by emailing us. Fortunate for your brother is the fact that two weeks is not really a long period of time. I actually have a case that I'm dealing with right now. And in that case, the policy said that my client had to make a claim within 90 days. And my client, who had a car accident, uh, was recovering at the time, applied about a year after the fact. And they denied her on that basis. Now that I've started a legal claim in that case, the insurance company isn't even arguing with me that they have a legal basis to deny her claim. They haven't even brought up the fact that my client technically had to apply within 90 days. Really what we're trying to decide is how much money they should pay her into the future so that she has time to get better and get back to work. And that's exactly what the insurance company is doing here. They're relying on a technicality. And they do this all the time because they think people like your brother will simply give up. And if you've listened to our show before, you know that appealing is going to get you absolutely nowhere. Uh, You're simply appealing to the exact same entity that denied you in the first place. And this is precisely the type of situation that gets easily resolved with a legal claim. And also fortunate for your brother is the fact that the courts have already decided on this issue. If there's a good reason for the delay, which there was, given the state of his injuries, then he definitely has a claim. So, Jensen, please tell your brother to call me immediately. Happy to speak with him for free, and uh, we'll get this all sorted out. What do you, you think, know, John? I, yeah. I, well, I actually had a case uh, a, a while back, um, and this is interesting. This was a, a gentleman that was in his early 60s. Uh, he was making a lot of money before. before uh, he, he basically had two strokes and a car accident. So, I mean, he was very unfortunate, very, wow. very unlucky. Uh, but he ended up applying late. It wasn't even him applying. It was one of his sons uh, who, who had power of attorney because this person, my client, uh, was so severely uh, injured and debilitated by the strokes and the car accident uh, that he couldn't even uh, act uh, t- to apply. It was his son. Wow. And and so, you know, there was a delay of about a year or so in applying. And of course, the insurance company, uh, fearing uh, having to pay uh, in the six figures, because again, this person was a, a high earner and was supposed to get about 70% or so of his uh, pre-disability income as long-term disability. Uh, you know, they thought, well, maybe we can get away from, uh, you know, uh, uh, from, from paying uh, by, by relying on this technicality that it's just too late. Now, technically, technically, if you apply late, it is a breach of the policy. But what Albert's talking about, which is true, is that some breaches don't go to the heart of, of the contract between you and the insurance company. They're not what's called a fundamental breach. In other words, the courts say there hasn't really been a prejudice to the insurance company if the person applies a little later. And so what happened with that case, the other case that uh, I'm referencing, the one that I had, the insurance company, once we started the legal process, actually had a lawyer assigned, and that lawyer probably told his client, the insurance company, you're going to lose. You're going to yeah. lose if uh-huh. we get in front of a judge. And they ended up paying a hundred cents on the dollar. You understand, John? I mean, this is what happened. They ended up paying everything on this claim, in addition to some legal fees to compensate for the fact that they had to retain us. So, a- a- again, you know, not in every case, not in every scenario, we will tell you that you have a case. And that's important, too. We're not going to drag you along a process if we don't think that there is something there that we can actually help you. And so in many instances, Albert, you do the same thing. You give people a fair assessment of their case. Uh, and we do this all the time. But I'll tell you this. If we're telling you you have a case, you have a case. I mean, that that's just what it comes down to, as opposed to the insurance company who tells you you have no case every single time. And on the issue of appealing, you know, again, we've talked about this endlessly. 
I have no doubt, John, that there are adjusters out there and people who work in the insurance industry who not only frown but cringe and probably swear at the radio every time that me, Albert, <laughs> James, Tamar, we say that appeals are useless. Here's the thing. If you're dealing with a long-term disability denial and your adjuster writes to you or tells you you can appeal, why don't you fire back at them and say, show me your statistics that you guys probably keep at the insurance company level internally of how many of these appeals are successful. And I guarantee you they're either going to tell you that they have no statistics or they're going to tell you that's internal information. We're not going to share it with you. So you got to ask why. Why is it that they keep telling you to appeal, but they won't tell you how many of these appeals are actually successful? I'll leave that right there, John. And we'll take a short break, guys, and we'll get right back to it. Next up will be uh, Melanie. Just sent an email along. You want to send one like Mel, you can do so. Uh, help at disabilityrights.ca. You can go to disabilityrights.ca, just the website itself, and you'll be able to catch past shows, get more information, and links to our television show as well. That's a 30-minute version of this on TV, so you'll want to check that out. And the phone number, yeah, toll free, one 821 5900 Disability Law Show. On Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, this is the Disability Law Show. Indeed, you want to reach out to Savan Albert or Tamar or James or rest of the team. Go for it, one 821 5900 At least simply to ask a question, get some more information. Get down the right road to where you should be. Disabilityrights.ca is the website. Put a help at in front of that, and you'll get the email address like Melanie did. says, uh, my mother, guys, has depression and has had that for many years. Recently, it got worse because my father passed away from COVID-19. She applied for long-term disability and was rejected I want to help her, but I'm afraid that the insurance company will just continue rejecting her claim if she appeals. Should she apply for other government assistance? Well, uh, Melanie, first of all, thank you for writing to us on, on your mom's behalf and condolences uh, for your father passing away. Uh, it must be a very, very difficult time for all of you. And of course, with COVID-19, John, everyone is suffering still. Um, look, Melanie, we can help your mother. Forget about the appeals. Those appeals are going to further depress her, frustrate her, and, and probably uh, make her not want to pursue her, her entitlements, her compensation that she's owed from the insurance company. Uh, in terms of uh, other government assistance, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we tell people is if, if your illness or injury, uh, if your disability that's resulting from an illness or an injury is severe and prolonged, apply for CPP disability. Uh, there are various reasons for that. And John, not a, not a week goes by that I don't get questions from across the country about CPP disability and why uh, we keep saying on the radio that it's not a bad idea, it's a good idea to apply if you're also applying for long-term disability or if you're on long-term disability. And this is one of the reasons because, Melanie, if she gets accepted to CPP disability, it's going to make it that much harder for the insurance company to continue refusing to pay her. That's number one. Number two, once she gets approved for CPP disability, she gets it's an income stream directly from the government for her disability. And she only gets that because she's earned that. So again, we're not telling people to apply for things that they haven't earned or, or are not entitled to by law. Now, uh, I, I'm not sure, Melanie, what the reason is for the denial. Uh, you're saying that she was denied, that her disability claim was rejected. If it was rejected for what I commonly see, uh, which is the excuse that 
you're just not totally disabled. Uh, we, you know, you haven't proved it. You haven't provided enough medical documentation. Uh, that's nonsense. As long as your mother uh, has a doctor, a psychologist, somebody who's treating her, who says, "Look, this person is suffering from this and this disability." illness, injury, and because of that, uh, your mother is unable to do the essential tasks of her own occupation, uh, then she should be getting LTD. It's just that simple. And and we can help. So, so we can help, Melanie, your mother, with the LTD claim. We will start a legal claim against the insurance company to speed up the process of getting money to your mother. Uh, at the same time, we'll talk to her based on her individual circumstance, uh, what kind of government assistance she might be able to get in the interim. And, and again, the first thing that comes to mind to me is CPP disability. Albert, any, anything else you want to add on this? Yeah, just to quickly build on this, uh, there's a couple other programs that she can definitely apply for. So she can apply for the Ontario Disability Support Program, as well as Ontario Works, which is essentially welfare. Uh, both of those are good funds to apply for. But just building on this uh, CPP, uh, it's very good to apply for CPP for a number of reasons. One, most policies actually require that you do apply. And the insurance companies want you to apply for this reason, because if... Uh, if your mother is approved for CPP, that ex- actually entitles the, uh, the insurance company to a deduction or a reduction of how much they owe her, which isn't a bad thing because you don't really care where you get the money from. If it comes from the insurance company or if it comes from CPP, at least your mother is getting some money. And the other, the other portion, which Savan kind of touched on, is that the way that you get approved for CPP disability is if you have a severe and prolonged disability. And the test there is very, very similar to the other portion of the test, which we talk about all the time on this show, which is the any occupation test. Under the any occupation test, which usually happens after two years, uh, in order for you, be, you to be paid disability benefits, you need to prove that you're incapable of doing the tasks of any type of job for which you're reasonably trained, educated, and suited for so it's a very similar test to the CBP one, which is once again that you you have a severe and prolonged disability. So if you are approved for CBP, it's very very tough uh, for the insurance company to then deny you because a, a Service Canada and a government organization that has a very rigorous testing process is agreeing that you meet their test for disability. So it's very very helpful. If on the other hand, though, your your mother isn't approved for CBP disability that also doesn't mean that she doesn't have a claim. It's very, very common that CPP disability is, or Service Canada is commonly refusing a lot of claims. They're very backed up, they're very overburdened, and they uh, they refuse or deny a lot of very legitimate claims. So just because your mother has been denied CPP, if she does, she should still consider whether or not she has a legal claim, and in this instance, it sounds like she does. Uh, So just to recap, definitely apply for CPP, uh, if she is denied, uh, she might want to consider ODSP, Ontario Disability Support Program, and the Ontario Works. Just keep in mind, John, that uh, yeah. Albert's mentioning here Ontario programs. Um, our show, of course, airs uh, both in Ontario and British Columbia because we, we help people in both provinces. And we do have the equivalent uh, programs. There are also assistance programs in BC. You can Google those as well. Uh, but the point is that there are options uh, for individuals across the country, no matter which jurisdiction they're in, to apply for support programs. Uh, but the number one thing we can help Melanie's mother with, of course, is the LTD claim and, and I can tell you, John, uh, this would not be a very difficult claim to resolve. In fact, I suspect that once we get in there and deal with the insurance company, we'll probably force them to the table fairly quickly. 
Mel, appreciate the email, the phone number, just in case you want to carry on, do so, toll free, 1-855-821-5900. But the email address that we're using, and we're going to bounce right back to after break, is help at disabilityrights.ca, the Disability Law Show. That's what this is on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we got the last few minutes here of the Disability Law Show. Once the show ends, doesn't matter. You can still make the phone call. Still contact Albert or Savan, member of the team. It's easy. 1-855-821-5900. Toll-free number, of course. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. And you want to answer some questions, or at least ask some questions, get them answered. My disability questions. Dot com. Nellie, as promised, up next says, guys, my best friend told me to contact you because she watches your TV show. There you go. And listens to your radio show every week. I like your friend. Uh, I have a lawyer handling my disability claim, but nothing is happening, and I have no idea what is going on with my case, despite asking him to update me. He almost never gets back to me. I hired him early last year when I was first denied my disability, and since then he keeps saying that he's working on my case, but I have no idea what's going on. What should I do? Well, Nelly, first of all, thank you to your friend for telling you uh, about the show on the radio and, and to, to contact us. Look, this is something, John, you and I have talked about many, many times before. Uh, I get quite upset when I hear these kinds of stories, whether it's in the disability context or family law context or, or whatever other context. Uh, lawyers not communicating is a major, major problem uh, in general, not just here in Ontario or BC or Canada in general, everywhere. Lawyers, for whatever reason, many, many of them just don't feel like they, they need to uh, communicate with their clients, which is absolutely wrong. Nelly, I have no idea what is happening with your case either. If you don't know, I don't know. Uh, but I'll tell you this. The fact that you retained that lawyer to help you with that claim early last year and about a year and a half has now passed, that is a, a, a red, you know, a red sign for me, a red flag. Uh, and I say that because uh, the vast majority of claims in our office resolve either within days of us getting involved or uh, within months. Sometimes it takes six months, a year. It really depends on the case. But I'll tell you, we've had cases that just by us writing to the insurance company and asking for their file, not even starting a legal claim, just having a letter from our office on letterhead, uh, we, we sometimes get a response back from the insurance company saying, oh, we made a mistake. We're going to reinstate your client. You know, like, so, so the fact that your lawyer is taking this long, something doesn't make sense to me. Again, I don't know much about your case, but there is a problem there. That's number one. Number two, the fact that your lawyer is saying he's working on it without giving you details is a major, major red flag. If a client reaches out to me or to Albert, first of all, our clients already, they always know what we're doing because we're telling them. You know, one of the first things I do when I meet with someone and, and speak to them about the process is I, I literally draw out a diagram, a, a line, a continuum, and I put on points. This is when you came to see me. This is when, you know, we would start a legal claim. This is when I expect the insurance company to respond. And, and I tell them, here's how many days or weeks or months this would happen between each step. Because people need to understand. You know, John, the more information someone has, the less anxiety 
you know, they, they presumably have, right? Because knowledge is power. It gives you the ability to forecast and project into the future. And one of the problems with many lawyers is that they simply assume that they don't need to provide this information to their clients. Well, let me tell you this to all the lawyers out there. Not only do you have that obligation, but as soon as a client actually reaches out to you, you should take time out of your day and actually schedule a call or a meeting. I mean, now with COVID, it's probably a Zoom meeting. But nonetheless, schedule a meeting and go through the process and explain what have you done on the person's case? What are you planning to do? What do you expect is going to happen in the next little while? And give them the strategy. Explain what is going on here. I mean, this is so elemental. To, this is so so basic for me. Uh, so, so you know, I, my, my, my advice here is this, uh, Nelly, is, is for you to put in writing to the lawyer that's handling your claim that you have concerns about his communication and to tell him that you want to schedule a date and a time to actually go over your case to understand, number one, what has been done, number two, what is going to be done and when, and what are, what are the expected results, okay? All those three things. And if for whatever reason he's stonewalling you or you're unable to get answers, you should consider perhaps switching representation. As much as I hate saying that, you are the client. It's your case. This is very important to understand. It's your case. Lawyers are not gods, and too bad that sometimes they act like they're gods. They're not. Not only are we human beings, we're, we're very fallible. So, so you have to make sure that, that you understand that this is about you. It's not about your lawyer. Albert, you and I have had many of these conversations about lawyers. I mean, in fact, I, I, I know that uh, you've had individuals who, after you've spoken with you, they've decided to switch to you, to your representation, because you've taken the time to actually explain the process, which their lawyers never have, right? I mean, it, ha- it, happens, it happens every now and then. It definitely happens, and it's unfortunate when it has happened, because in those instances, it means that, A, A we have a client who now hasn't been properly represented. They've now wasted... X amount of time in Nelly's case, unfortunately, we have a year and a half where almost nothing has happened and nothing is de- definitely nothing has happened by virtue of the very fact that Nelly hasn't actually attended something. Uh, by a year and a half, something absolutely needs to be scheduled. Uh, she should have attended something well within a year and uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit appalling to hear that this, this is actually happening. So Nelly, you're definitely going to want to get a second opinion from someone and definitely make sure or at least hold your own lawyer accountable so that something happens immediately. You need, you need, you need to be working towards a resolution, not just holding your case in abeyance. How's the mental stress with that, Savannah? A year and a half. Like, that's not helping her get better. That's not helping it's, anybody it, get better. No. I, I've had people contact me who have been in Nelly situation where they tell me, I thought I was going for my lawyer to hire someone to defend me. And here I am finding myself not only having to battle the insurance company, but now my lawyer. I mean, just imagine, we are dealing with people, John, oftentimes who are experiencing not just physical issues, but, you know, mental health issues. I mean, I, I can't even fathom that. It's just responsible. If I could, I would disbar these kinds of lawyers. It's just because it gives the, the, the law field, lawyers in general, a very bad reputation. And I understand why. I understand why people are hesitant to go to a lawyer. So again, one of the reasons why we do this show, the TV show, the radio show, you know, is to give people information. You don't have to hire us. I would love it if you hired us for whatever you know issue you're dealing with with your insurance company, but you don't have to as long as you're going to someone who knows what they're doing, who has a record of success, somebody 
somebody who has a reputation in the field and someone who's going to take the time and focus on you because it's your case, it's your money, it's your life. And we understand that. We understand that. Everybody on my team understands that. That is a key pillar of the way we practice at ST Law. Done for another week, guys. Nicely done. And uh, thanks, Joe, once again for the beginning of the show for coming on and uh, telling us about his experience. You want to carry on now and get a hold of uh, Albert or Savan or a member of that team, you know the number by now, one 821 5900 Just call it, get some information. won't cost you time to have a chat. That and email is help at disabilityrights.ca. If you go to disabilityrights.ca, the website, you'll catch past shows of this nature and links to our television show is there, uh, there as well. So we'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.